0: You're listening to Vernacular Podcast. Hey, this is Sally, and this is episode 10 of season 3. It's our final episode of the season before we take a little break before season four and zach will be in the studio for our interview but right now as i'm recording this he's in london so we're gonna go check in with him right now hey zach
1: hey how are you
0: good how are you
1: good i'm a little jet lagged yeah i'm overall. sure
0: yeah so what time is it there it's 1 30 in the afternoon here
1: it is seven thirty. So wow. we're six hours ahead.
0: Oh my goodness. So do you feel like it's one thirty in the afternoon or do you feel have do you I guess you haven't fully adjusted?
1: I've definitely not fully adjusted. Uh I don't feel like it's one thirty though. I do feel a little more tired. Yeah. I would say late afternoon, just going off of what my body is telling me. Yeah. But it doesn't well, it feel doesn't, like seven thirty.
0: It doesn't help that you had that overnight flight and hardly slept.
1: No, not at all. I mean, I can never sleep on planes. Yeah, I and know. And so since I always fly in coach you Know it's just it's terrible, right? You have like 14 inches uh, of seat width to work with, yeah. And I was in the middle, <laughs> so I had people on both sides of me, Ugh. which was wonderful. And yeah, so I was like, I was pinched between two hard armrests,
0: oh, ow.
1: trying to take a nap.
0: Oh, my goodness!
1: I did watch Everest, the movie about oh, was it uh, good? climbing Mount Everest, it was, um. Well, it certainly made me never want to climb Everest. (laughs) Because
0: people die or almost die or something?
1: Well, yeah. In the movie, people die. It's pretty sad, actually. Oh, goodness. But, I mean, you know, um, Skylar and I, that's my brother for our listeners, uh, have talked about climbing Everest. He a lot more seriously than I. Yeah. But after this movie, I'm never climbing Everest ever. (laughs) It seems like the worst idea in the world.
0: Oh, my goodness. That's crazy. Yeah. Well, I mean, I wonder if I would actually s- still have any better luck sleeping if I was not in coach because I'm very attached to sleeping in a bed and I'm not 100% positive that first class or business class or whatever would be really that much more comfortable that it would really help me sleep. I mean, maybe a few more hours than, than nothing, but not like an eight hours night's sleep.
1: Yeah, that's a fair point. I have heard of these ridiculously... Uh, luxurious cabins on, like, Emirates Air that have actual beds okay. and little, like, suites with showers in them.
0: Okay. Well, yeah, there. That's what I need.
1: <laughs> I mean, if I could just fly like that everywhere, I would love to fly. Right, But right. since I can't, I don't.
0: Yeah. <laughs> okay. So tell us what you did on your first day there. So you arrived early in the morning.
1: Yeah. London I time. think my, uh, my plane landed at, like, 835. Okay. So... Yeah, in London. You were exhausted. Um, I was, for sure. Uh, it's been a pretty whirlwind thing so far. I'm leaving in about 36 hours, and I've been here for about 36 hours. Wow. So I'm, I'm going to a conference for my work, for our listeners who wouldn't know that. I know you know that, Sally. Right. <laughs> um. Yeah, so I got in. Uh, fortunately, my hotel let me check in early, which was kind of nice of really them. That's really nice. Um, so I tried to get a little nap. I think I slept for about 30 minutes. So at this point, I was working off of...
0: Like About two hours, two of, hours sleep. of
1: sleep in the oh, last, man. like, t- in the previous, you know, 30 hours, yeah. which was fun. Not, um, not healthy. No, not ideal, but I got through it. Um, and then so, and then I got up, I walked around a little bit. I'm staying in the Trafalgar Square area of London, which That's if anybody awesome. has been there, it's a really nice area. One of the cool things that was going on yesterday was this thing called the BMW London Symphony Orchestra Open Air concert
0: stuff
1: Oh. yeah where it's exactly what it sounds like the london symphony orchestra performs these open-air concerts and so they weren't performing yesterday as far as i could tell but they were doing a dress rehearsal oh
0: cool. which was just which like was almost out better in the yeah
1: it was, which which was better than the concert because it was free and you yeah. could just walk around at, at your leisure and listen to them so
0: that's um, so neat
1: they were doing the classics including uh the um 1812 overture
0: Wow! so that was
1: a lot of fun to hear that There
0: there's also this
1: like punk rocker who was trying to one-up the london symphony orchestra by posting up on a corner uh next to them oh brother uh and playing his electric car electric guitar with his amp turned all the same time um i think he eventually got booted out of there because he was there when i walked by once but not again
0: oh my goodness (laughs) um
1: but yeah so i walked around a little bit um And then uh, later in the evening, I walked up to Soho, which is north of of, uh, Trafalgar Square, Uh, went to church there, and then came back. On the way back, got some great burgers. Well, not some burgers. One burger (laughs) at a place that (laughs) makes some great burgers. burgers. (laughs) (laughs) A bag of burgers. I got a bag of burgers at Byron. Uh, Byron Burger, which is... um, I think their tagline is like burgers done proper or something or nice. proper hamburgers. Proper hamburgers. Yeah, um, I remember that. Y- yeah. Um, so yeah, what actually, kind of burger did you get? Oh, gosh. I knew you were going to ask me this. It was called the Smoky. Okay. And I didn't read the description carefully enough because I don't like fried onions. I generally don't like fried things all that uh-huh. much, um, but especially not fried onions because it just seems so unnecessary to bread the onions and fry them. Um, I'd rather just have fresh cut onions, but... I didn't read it carefully enough, so it had some fried onions. It's not a knock on the burger itself. It's a knock on my ability to read and comprehend the <laughs> menu. Did it taste you, good
0: at least? Like, it did. It tasted really good. Yeah. Okay. So, there,
1: so there were fried onions. Uh, well, that's it was good. barbecue sauce. Um, oh. So I, like I said, it was called the Smoky. There was some, uh, I think, like kind of smoky cheddar cheese on there. So it was a very nice. good burger. Um, and I got sweet potato fries with oh, that. Oh,
0: nice. That sounds um, good.
1: Which is uncharacteristic for me. I generally prefer regular fries. Um but sweet potato fries are a little healthier. So I decided to go with the, uh, less, uh, less unhealthy option.
0: <laughs> Yum. And then what did you yeah. for lunch earlier?
1: Um, for lunch earlier, what did I eat for lunch?
0: Wasn't that Mexican?
1: Oh yeah, you're right. Oh, this place is cool. Yeah. This was, uh, Oaxaca W A H A C A. Okay. Um, this is just, uh, just off the Trafalgar square area and, uh, it was a Mexican place. Now, I don't know the, the bar for Mexican food in Britain. I've found before, and Sally, you know from having lived here with me before. It's a pretty low bar, yeah. And so this was definitely not the best Mexican food I've ever had okay. by any stretch of the imagination. But, but it was, was a really it like cool.
0: Chipotle level, Qdoba level.
1: Uh, I would say no to. Oh really? To, not um, even that yeah. good. Okay. No, not even that good. Um, however, the ambiance in there uh, and the creativity of the menu. And overall atmosphere slash environment, uh, far exceeded both Kidoba and Chipotle. Cool.
0: Well, that gives so, them extra
1: yeah, points. Yeah. So you, you, you go in the restaurant and then you descend immediately. And so the whole thing is subterranean. Okay. Um, and the decor is very cool, kind of minim- minimalist. Um, I don't know. It's like you walk straight into a basement bar in in the Yucatan Peninsula or something. Um, all the food is ethically sourced, oh, uh, cool! either from, uh, British farms. I think all their meat is from British farms. All their seafood is, um, not necessarily from British fisheries, but it's ethically sourced <clears throat> from, um, good fisheries and their other ingredients. And a lot of their inspiration is from Mexico. I guess the, uh, proprietors have gone there a lot to, um, get food ideas and whatnot. Oh, neat. So it was pretty cool. Um,
0: they're so just a little bit less.
1: Uh, I got a burrito, a chicken burrito, and it was just um, a
0: little lackluster.
1: Yeah, I mean the the fillings were a little bit dry, and the burrito shell itself, that you know what we would normally call a tortilla, was actually more of a shell. It was a little bit, a little bit dry, a little bit tough. Um, but overall, uh, I had a positive experience there, and I would recommend it. Again, just keeping in mind that you're not going to have. San Diego caliber right. Mexican food anywhere in England. <laughs>
0: Tex-Mex or something, yeah. Right. And right. didn't they give you some, like, little favor when you left?
1: Yeah, this was really cool. They gave me uh, what looked like a set of matches as I left. And I opened it up thinking, what in the world do I need matches for? And they're not matches. They are serrano chili seeds.
0: That is so clever. Very creative. Yeah.
1: Yeah, so uh, they have little instructions for how to grow your own serrano chilies. You have to prepare a suitable container with compost, firm down and water generously with a, fi- with a fine spray, mind you. <laughs> Leave to soak for 30 minutes, break off sticks carefully, push each stick point down into compost to depth line printed.
0: Huh. Neat. We have to try that. For sure. That's great.
1: It, yeah, it looks cool.
0: That's very clever.
1: So, yeah, that was my lunch yesterday. This morning for breakfast, I had a berry bircher from Starbucks because it was a cheap, effective, and good option given that, Sally, you and I did that when we were in Edinburgh a few years yeah, ago. Yeah,
0: yeah, the bircher <laughs> muesli. Yeah, it's similar to our overnight oats that we've talked about before. Um, I guess I'm not sure exactly what – they have maybe a little bit more fruit, and then it's not oats-based. It's muesli-based, I think. Um, but it's not something you see in the U.S. It's not offered in the U.S. So I think it's it's unique to the U.K.,
1: yeah, it was a lot of fun to have that again. Mine had a lot of pomegranates in it. Oh yeah, pomegranates. Nice. That's something that, you know, I don't get to have a ton of in the U.S. because yeah. it's not a very common fruit.
0: So then today yeah. was your first full day of the conference.
1: Yes. So the conference is, uh, it's not quite two full days, uh, closer to a day and a half. But yes, this was the first full day. Uh, it was pretty interesting. It was a combination of keynote speakers and panelists, panel discussions. At the end of the day, it seemed like everyone was just saying the same thing. So it got a little bit less interesting as the day wore on. But definitely some um, some good things to be heard in there. Yeah, that's not like a uh, typical
0: conference where by the end you're just kind of like, okay, let me go. Yeah,
1: exactly. The yeah, the lunch they served us was quintessentially British. And it was one of those um, – well, there, there were two qualms that I had with it. One it was one of those where the people decide the quantities of food that you get. Oh, okay. So it was a buffet, but you didn't get to
0: Oh, they serve um, it to you.
1: Right. They're oh, like, okay. here, let me take your plate, sir. Would you like chicken or vegetarian? And I say chicken. And they give me they give me like two tablespoons of chicken. <laughs> so you didn't try like, to pull a,
0: a Chipotle and say, Extra chicken, please? <laughs>
1: <laughs> no, I didn't try that. Um, maybe I should have. <laughs> and then they asked me if I wanted broccoli and I was like, Why are you even asking me? Of course I want broccoli. <laughs> um
0: at this point, you and just I, want everything that is offered. If they're only going to give you two tablespoons,
1: exactly. But they they did um, fortunately not insist on apportioning my salad, uh, which was actually a decent salad, good mixed greens. Oh, good. Um, so I just you know filled up half my plate with salad and had a lot of salad.
0: That's unusual but, um, for Britain.
1: It is, I know. And I was thinking, if they were doling out my portion of salad, they would have given me like a teaspoon of salad, given what constitutes a salad in Great Britain. But for all this um, criticism of British food that I've given, I think it's only fair to say that I do love being back here, and I have great respect for the British people, especially when they say uh, anything remotely intelligent, because they immediately sound uh, ingenious. I'm just jealous. <laughs> I'm jealous of their ability to sound so sophisticated.
0: Yeah, and I mean, even if their strength isn't Br- British fare, that isn't like the best cuisine in the world. They have plenty of other other strengths, like Indian food. You can't leave. You can't leave without getting some really good Indian food.
1: That's a really good point. Which brings me to a great point actually, which is that I'm meeting up with an old friend of ours, Sally, um, Dan, who I think we're actually gonna try to get on the podcast. I'm That'll gonna be talk great. To him about it tomorrow. Yes.
0: Twist his arm. But
1: uh but he and I are going to enjoy some Indian food together, I believe. Good. So, I don't know if he knows this is the plan yet, but this is at least <laughs> my plan. I'll I'll buy him and see if he approves. I'm
0: sure he'll he'll oblige since you have limited time. Yes. <laughs> So, what's the plan else for tomorrow? You finish the conference tomorrow?
1: Yes. Uh, finish the conference tomorrow afternoon. Uh, I'm going to meet up with Dan mid to late afternoon. I'm um, going to find Esther a good present at some point in oh, between good. the two. Yeah. <laughs>
0: nice. She'll be excited. Yeah. And then so, Wednesday, do you fly out right first thing in the morning or do you have some time to mill around Trafalgar Square? No
1: time. I've got to head straight to the oh, airport. Oh, bummer.
0: So you have to get so, on all your sightseeing tomorrow.
1: That's right. That's the plan.
0: Do you know what you might see or do? Or are you just going to kind of play it by ear?
1: I'm just going to kind of play it by ear, yeah, exactly that. So that's how I prefer it, really. When uh, Before I came on the trip, some of my work colleagues were asking if I had every step planned out. And I just sort of chuckled and said, No way.
0: Well, especially since you've already been there, it's not like there's this great pressure to.
1: Well, that is what I told them, too. See it's just that this isn't quite my old stomping grounds, but we have spent a lot of time in London, so I'm pretty familiar with it.
0: Yeah, yeah. Well, fun. Well, you have to find a good coffee shop or something if you just want to chill and read.
1: There's this great one down the street called Starbucks. It's really nice.
0: <laughs> so you're just going to Starbucks. Well, I mean. I don't know if there are too many much better options.
1: Maybe there's something local that
0: you could find, but.
1: (laughs) Sally, I think you and I might be responsible for like 1% of Starbucks global revenue.
0: (laughs) Well, I'm glad that you're having a good time, and I hope that you don't feel too tired. But really, if you recover from your jet lag, really soon, then you're just gonna have to recover from jet lag when you get back. So <laughs> I know, right? It's
1: crazy. I'm barely long enough here to adjust to jet lag, yeah. but if in the, if in the fortunate or unfortunate event that I do, I'll have to adjust all over again. Yeah. In well maybe it'll be hours, easier so. coming
0: back. I don't it know. It is.
1: That's that's generally the opinion is uh going west, at least before you cross the international dateline, it is easier. So Okay, good. Yeah. So that's the hope. All right. Well we'll yeah, be excited
0: I, to see you when you yeah, come back to likewise. the side of the pond.
1: I love and miss you guys.
0: We miss you too. See Talk you, soon. To you soon. Bye. Bye. All right, that was fun. Now we're going to pull Harry Potter and bring Zach back via teleportation or some other sort of magic to have him in the studio with our guest. Right, right. We're back at Vernacular Podcast, and we have with us our guest, Teresa. She is a lawyer turned stay-at-home mom. She's also the creator of the blog, The Brez Blog, which is thebrezblog.blogspot.com. Teresa, welcome to the show. Hi. Thank you for having me, guys. Yeah. We're really excited to talk with you today. We um, gave our listeners a little preview of our conversation in the last episode saying that we're going to be talking about that balance, that tricky balance, if there can be a balance, between career and motherhood. Yeah. So to start us off, we just want to give the listeners a little bit of your story and hear about your trajectory from a legal career to now full-time motherhood of two beautiful children. Oh, thank you. Well, <laughs> um,
2: let's see. I, I'm, I was one of those people who really never thought I'd ever be a stay-at-home mom. And so I also I kind never of, thought that.
1: So we have that in common. <laughs>
2: yes. So I kind of ended up here and it's working out for us now. But um, you know, growing up, uh, both my parents worked. Um and when I was in school, I thought that like only the rich kids had stay-at-home moms. They were like the lucky ones with moms that you know, would participate in school things and make their kids lunches. Like that must've been for people not like me. Um, and, um, so I grew up with an amazing role model in my grandmother who had 11 children and went back to school in her thirties after she was done bearing children. Wow. That
1: is amazing.
2: So she actually, yeah, she's a le- living legend, but she, um, went back to college and eventually law school and became a circuit court judge in Maryland.
1: So you, did, she's you a, need to ask her if she'll come onto the podcast and tell us her story. Cause that yeah, sounds incredible. That's, that's amazing. Yeah, You should
0: totally have her. She's amazing. We'd love to. Yeah, um, I mean, after 11 kids, you'd think she'd earn like. Early retirement or something, but no,
1: she just goes to law school and does <laughs> yeah, a circuit court judge. No big deal.
0: Career. <laughs> yeah,
2: exactly. So, I always thought, and everyone always said, like, you know, if Grandma Nolan can do it, you can do it too. Like, what's not achievable? So she was this role model who was just like beyond amazing. So. I was one of those kids, seven years old, asked me what I want to be when I grow up. I want to be a lawyer. I want to go to law school, just like my grandma, who we I was named after her. So we had the same name. And um, when I would go around town with my dad, he would introduce me proudly, me and my sister. But he'd say, this is Teresa named after her grandmother. Oh, wow. And they'd That's be like, a lot of pressure. oh, Judge <laughs> Nolan, yeah. And I was like, yeah, I want to be a lawyer, too. So, hey, that's what I did. So I um, went to undergrad, and I was pre-law, and I went straight into law school. Didn't really give it a whole lot more thought other than, hey, I'm good at this, and this seems like a great career. So um, meanwhile, in college, I met my husband, and um, we... Had started discussing marriage, but um, it seemed very far off to me. And so I didn't think about what career and motherhood would look for me, look like for me. I just never considered it. And so fast forward to right after graduating college, my husband, Will, proposed and I was still like in denial that we would even get married soon. <laughs> it was like, so not on my radar. <laughs> so, um,
1: So you were totally surprised by the proposal?
2: Yeah. People were like, you, you saw it coming, right? You knew. And <laughs> no, I had no idea. That's amazing. I, was wow. lying. I really I was so surprised. I mean, it
1: seems like the standard now is that when it happens, both parties know that it was going to happen At least around that time when it did. I mean, yeah.
2: Props to your husband.
1: Yeah, it's a bold move. Yeah, and
2: he, you know, he asked my dad and everything. So my basically my whole entire family knew before I did, and they kept it a secret for a couple days. So props to them. Yeah, (laughs) that they actually did. But that also goes to show how like far off it seemed to me that I couldn't tell from. Like, later looking back, hindsight 2020, it was like, oh, my gosh. They, it was so obvious this was coming because my dad, like, gave little hints. And, yeah, so.
1: So, you just missed the signs, basically.
2: <laughs> I missed all the signs. I wasn't expecting it. I wasn't thinking about starting a family.
1: But clearly, um, you said yes.
2: I did say yes. And it was one of the best decisions I've ever made. Okay, the best. I'll go ahead and call it the best decision. Nice. <laughs> um, <laughs> So I started law school that fall and during marriage prep, um, I started having more of my religious conversion. Um, I was raised Catholic, but it was really just nominally, like not even practicing, you know, I just went and received the sacraments and did the CCD thing. Um,
1: you were a creaster at Christmas and Easter.
2: I was yeah, we're we're a little more than creasters, like but yeah. Creester, yeah, plus, <laughs> <Christ-er>, yeah, plus <laughs> two point Right. But um so during pre Kana marriage preparation, I started really reading about what marriage was all about and um and what kind of that meant as a vocation. And so in the background of all the 12 V six motions and LRW writing and law review talks. I was really having a deep spiritual conversion. So um, at the same time, my husband was considering what he was going to do with his career. He graduated with a history degree and was working at Starbucks. The job market was really poor. So he was considering different graduate school options. And I'm like, law school's the bomb. Like, I was such a 1L nerd. (laughs) Like, it's so cool. It's so fun. Like, I learned so much today. And, you know, he would meet my law school friends. And all you talk about with your law school friends is law school. Am I right, Sally? Right? It's true. (laughs) For my one year, that's, it was, yeah, yeah, comparing notes. (laughs) Um, so I kind of – it was probably a combination of him being intrigued by it and also feeling left out. But yeah, he, I'm sure. he joined me in law school the next year. So we were married the summer after my 1L year, and uh, my 2L year, he started as a 1L.
0: Lucky him. He just take all your notes. Exactly. He took all <laughs> my
2: outlines, and I basically grouped him for success.
1: So you guys were married for <laughs> – Two years of your law school and all of his? Correct. That's a pretty stressful time of life, right? How was that?
2: Um I didn't think it was stressful at all. Like we were it was so much fun to go to school together. We saw each other all day every day, and we went to class like after it was one L year, we would have classes together, and yeah, it was a lot of fun. We really enjoyed it. Cool. And yeah, it was good to be in the library together because that is where you spend your whole right. life. You yeah, spend all of your nice. time outside of class <laughs> in the library or sleeping. Yeah. So it worked out well. Um, so of course, once we were married, we started talking about when we would have a family. And um, it's funny because I remember right after we were married, everybody asked, so when are you going to have a baby? It's like the next follow up question, which people should not ask that. That is.
1: Yeah, agreed.
2: But, um, so people were asking me that right after we were married. I was like, oh, you know, I don't know. After school, probably, you know, in like 10 years, I didn't, I, it was still so far off, too remote to even really consider. We were in the trenches of law school. Um, we were both working really hard. We were doing really well. And so the focus at that time was just like finding your first job and interviews and all that. So, um, Will and I eventually came to an agreement that we would start trying to have our first child when we both secured jobs after graduation. Cause that's like, the holy grail of law school it's like yeah. what are you going to do after you graduate like it's it's competitive in its own way and yeah that's everybody's, a big milestone yeah it's a big milestone of law school and does this obviously. normally really happen
1: do you normally secure a job in your third year of law school
2: um that just depends sometimes you'll know after your 2l summer depending on what the job is um because if you're Given like a big law job, usually they hire
1: their summer associates. Okay, um, so you would know before going into your final But that's year. like,
2: that's not that many people. But yeah, usually you know going into your third year. Gotcha. Um, so I did public service stuff. So I was in federal jobs. I worked at DOJ my 2L summer. Um, and they have obviously like a very – um set way that they hire people. So you wouldn't know, um, their honors program. If you're familiar at all, I'm getting like way too specific, I have but had anyway, <laughs> so, and I, I can't even believe I remember that right now. Okay. I graduated four years ago now, but, um, so, yeah, we agreed after once we graduated or once we had both secured jobs and we didn't know when that would be, but we wanted to make sure we had health insurance. We thought that was like the responsible thing to do is to wait until that time. Makes I think sense. A good Makes goal. sense. <laughs> yeah. You know, so um, I had a job by my 3L year and then he, he was a 2L and he got a call that he was accepted to the JAG Corps for the Air Force. So, that was sooner than both of us had really expected, but we were like, oh, now we can kind of really start considering starting a family. So, um, he was going to be in the Air Force, and actually, for a little while, I was going to do the Air Force, too. I had been accepted into their direct appointment program, Um, so... After I graduated and passed the bar, I would go to training and do all that. And he was going to do the officer training during law school. That's actually what he did. Uh, Spoiler alert, he's an Air Force Jack now. Ah. I'm the stay-at-home mom. So (laughs) (laughs) um, we started trying for our first child while still in law school, which most people probably would not advise. But we... um, we very much agreed with the Catholic teaching that once you're married, the presumption is babies, and it's going to take serious reasons discerning serious reasons to put off having kids
0: so um, so taking the bar didn't count. <laughs>
2: No, I would have been done the bar by then. Although there was that article that came out the same time, not an article, but it was a news story about the woman who took the bar while she was in labor.
1: What? I oh did not hear about my this. Goodness. She
2: went into labor during the bar exam and like <gasps> took the whole test. I think this was in Chicago. That's insane. Wow. And, um, yeah, then like went to the hospital afterwards and had a baby. That had to be
1: like a stress induced labor.
2: <laughs> oh, <my goodness. laughs> you know, mom on a mission. Wow. So, uh.
1: I bet she so, passed, too. Um, she probably passed we, with flying colors.
2: Oh, yeah, I'm sure. Because what determination, you know? Right. Um, so we started trying for our son. And, oh, at the time, I forgot to mention, I got disqualified from the Air Force. They wouldn't take me. Because you have to pass, like, medical, thorough medical examinations and everything. And so I was medically disqualified. So I... um found last minute a 1 year clerkship that kind of bridged the gap between me graduating and him going active duty and then it would have we were kind of waiting to see where they the air force sent us for like my next job so that worked out great um and um so yeah we started trying to have our first child and it took a lot longer than we thought um i did have to end up taking fertility medications Um, and so the timing of our first child was a little differently than we had hoped. Um, we ended up getting his assignment when I was six or seven months pregnant with our first child. And then we moved a few weeks later. So I was without health insurance for a few weeks and we were moving and to our first installation when I was seven months pregnant and it was a little crazy. Yeah, that's, that's um, hectic. But it kind of worked out well because I finished my clerkship and then I had the move, and then I could have my baby and have a nice long maternity leave for as long as I needed. So um, after our first child was born, I got to stay home with him for almost nine months because um, I started looking for a job after. He was born, Uh, and I was actually contacted when he was two months old by an old law school friend who I did a clinic with and I was on law review with who worked for an appellate firm, and he asked me if I wanted to take contract work for this appellate firm since I had just finished up an appellate clerkship. So I worked from home since my son was two months old while I kind of job hunted and felt out the situation here at our first base assignment. So, um, working from home was a lot more difficult than I thought it would be. Um, it's really hard to stay on top of like home life and also have deadlines looming when you can't get away from your work. And so, um, I found that to be really difficult. So I started applying. How many to- hours
1: a week were you working at this point?
2: Um, it really depended. It was like on a project to project basis, but I was working like 10 to 15 hours a week if I had a project, but it was during my child's one hour long nap right. or after he went to bed. So oh, it was really yeah, that's tough. Yeah, that's tough. And you know, he didn't sleep well at all his first year and I just found it to be really hard. And not to mention that we had just moved here and I still didn't know anybody. So it was isolating too and that like I couldn't get out and meet people I was working from home and I was always at home and I didn't have a workplace to meet people.
0: Yeah.
2: That's Um, really tough. So I applied to different jobs um That I was qualified for, I was able to get my Illinois license through um, a military spouse rule that they have, so I didn't have to sit for the bar here, which was a big deal. I don't know if I would have. I don't know if I would have even tried. Um,
1: We were actually just talking about the bar exam yesterday because we were watching an episode of How I Met Your Mother uh, where Marshall, one of the characters, takes the bar exam and then gets to find out his results, and we were just talking about what a grueling. Exam, it must be. I mean, it's normally spread over several days, right? So you just sit there all day, every day for several days, taking a test.
0: Yeah, and how terrible it would be it, if you had to take it a second time oh my for gosh, whatever reason?
1: Awful.
0: It was, it was a two-day test, so not
2: that bad. In California, it's three days. So oh, there that might sounds, be another.
1: That sounds awful.
2: Yeah, but again, like I kind of liked being at home and being able to study. And it reminded me again of my one L year, like just being buried in books. And I don't know, I don't want to say it was fun for me, but I kind of enjoyed it a little bit. <laughs> um, just the studying. Cause that's all you do. You yeah. set aside a couple of months and all you do all day is study. So
0: right. no distractions. That's
2: nice. Yeah. It was kind of nice. Um, I didn't have a baby at home that was, you know, I also had to care for and having your first child is just stress that you've never known anyway. But all that's to say, like, you don't really know what having a child is like until you have one. It's, you know, yeah, we can definitely concur like the people with no children that try and give you advice and you're like, okay, yeah, like my child never has screen time. Yeah nanny Netflix. We like her around here (laughs) every once in a while. Um, just depends on circumstances. But, um, so I applied to a few choice jobs here and another military spouse sent me this job listing via email. Um, and she was like, hey, look at this, like a litigation associate, you'd be qualified for this looks great. I was like, Oh, thanks. So it was a really simple application. Like they just wanted a resume and a writing sample or what stuff that I already had on hand. (laughs) So I sent in my application. And then of course, I get um, actually after I sent it in, I realized that the founding partner is a graduate of the same law school as me.
1: No way. Ah, perfect.
2: (laughs) I did not know that when I applied. I was like, oh, crap. Now I'm actually going to get an interview. (laughs) And lo and behold, I get a call. I think it was a few days later. They wanted me to come in for an interview. So scrambled to find childcare, And I went in and interviewed. And I think it was the same day I got the job offer. Wow, that's amazing. And, yeah, so... Hey, first real full-time, well, I had a full-time clerkship, but clerking is a little different.
1: Sure, you're an associate Um, now at this firm.
2: Yeah, now I was like a real full-time working mom. So um, I was really excited to begin with, but like the stress of finding childcare um, was really hard because usually, you know, these wait lists, people are – Getting on wait lists for daycares when they're still pregnant. Yeah, and I had two weeks. Oh boy! <laughs> so it sounds like um, a challenge. Yeah. So I scrambled and I found a great place for him. It was really expensive, but hey, he. You know, we got him in, and um, I started going to work full time, and um, I really did grapple with the decision of whether I would take the offer and go back to work full-time with him. Um, I really do think that as his mother, I was the best caretaker for him. You know, like God had chosen me to be his mother. I'm irreplaceable in that role and, you know, is putting him in daycare full-time like the right decision for us. Mm -hmm. So... um. I was very hesitant, but also kind of excited about it. And, um, I was talking it over with my husband and while I was deciding on whether or not to take the offer, we had gone to Sunday mass and the reading that Sunday from the gospel was the parable of burying the talents. And I like totally took that as a sign, like you know, if I'm at home, I'm burying my talent. Right, you have and, to get out you know, there and contribute. <laughs> I gotta get out there, right, and cont- contribute and lean in and let's go. So I took the job, and like I said, I started two weeks later. It was a quick turnaround. We were scrambling to get everything ready and um, figure out how the, how it was going to work on the day to day basis. Um, but yeah, I did it. And for the first few months, I was really loving it. Um, I had a ton of work to do. Everybody was giving me their substantive motions to write because I was waiting on my bar license to come through. I had to pass like the character and fitness part and I hadn't um, even applied for the license until I got the job offer which was a bad idea, but, um, in hindsight, but, um, so I was kind of like a law clerk when I first got there. So they all like dumped on me their substantive motions that they had waiting that they needed written. And I didn't get to like sign my name to them, but, um, but I liked it. It was, it was interesting work and you know, the substantive stuff and I was really enjoying it. Of course it was really hard to leave my son. Um, I didn't cry the first day. I dropped him off at daycare. Um, But I did go visit him during my lunch break. (laughs) And um, it brought a pretty abrupt end to our nursing relationship. Um, I didn't get to nurse him as long because I went back to work. Yeah. And then after the first few months where I was really busy, just the pace of the work slowed down. And so I was sitting in the office, um, just twiddling my thumbs really. And wishing that I could be home with my son and spending time with him. But I had to, I had to be in the office. You have to have FaceTime in the office when you work at a law firm. Um, they want to, they want you to be there first in the morning and last one to leave. And that's kind of what they expected of the associates. And they were, they were very family friendly. Um, I had to leave a lot cause my son, um, <laughs> going, he started daycare when he was 10 months old. So, um, he got every sickness that was passed around that Ooh, daycare, yeah, like, the first few before. months, yeah. right, oh, yeah. and he was getting ear infection after ear infection, oh, and gosh. he ended up needing tubes, and he was just sick all the time, and um, his daycare was close to my work, so I would kind of be the one on call to go do it, and um, yeah, it was really hard. It was really, it was tough to, um, you know, want to be the top associate and really have a good rapport with everybody at work and do excellent work and, um, be like a valued employee while at the same time, like you are this child's only mother, you know, like I was, I was one of many associates, but I was my son's only mother. And so once things started getting a little, rocky there. And I had that realization. I, had, I started thinking about working from home again, even though I found it to be so hard the first time. And, um, just and obviously it wasn't as many hours. It wasn't as much income, but yeah. the trade-off would have been okay for me. So that was kind of when I said, um, Maybe at least this job at this time in my life isn't right for us. Mm -hmm. So um, I actually got pregnant with our second child while I worked there. And we looked at the calendar when she was due. um, And my husband was going to leave for a month-long training during my third trimester. And I kind of looked at My husband was like, Yeah, I don't
1: wanna I don't wanna be working
2: full time while you're gone for five weeks. So we both decided like that's a good time to quit the full time job, come back to being at home. Um and I actually I did end up taking one more work from home project, but um my son could still go back to daycare for that week, so I just put him in daycare for a week. I did one more project. I build like 35 hours on it in that one week, um, and that was the last project that I did before having my daughter. And I actually did. I actually did still have some pro bono stuff that I was working on um, that was really stressing me out. I had a trial scheduled for when I was 35 and a half weeks pregnant. Oh my goodness. A federal jury trial. Um, so, but that ended up being resolved beforehand. In other Good. words, I lost, but, um, but yeah, so that was the last, that's the last work that I've done as an attorney.
1: So without naming the firm that you worked for, because I don't want to point fingers here how did your firm handle it when you told them you wanted to go back to being a full-time mom? Were they supportive of this decision of yours?
2: They were, they were really supportive and part of it was because they knew they would be losing me anyway because they knew I was a military spouse. Um, and I, I was very upfront with them when, even when I interviewed, I was like, we're probably moving in July, 2016. Right. Um, And I ended up leaving much, much sooner than that, but, um, they kind of expected it to come at some point. And so when I basically gave them my notice of my last day, they were like, you know, if you were staying in town, we would fight to keep you. But since you're, we know you're leaving anyway, you know, good luck to you. You're, you know, they were really, really nice.
1: Good. I'm glad to hear that. I I wish more companies were supportive of women taking at least breaks from their careers to be at home.
2: Yeah, me too. Um, But yeah, who knows whether they would hire me back if we ended up staying here for some reason. That's a whole different question. That's the real question. If I had taken two years off, would they have hired me back? Yeah, I mean
0: that reminds me of the article that you pointed me to a couple weeks ago, Um, where they were talking about women who have gaps in their resume and whether or not they should reveal the reason for that gap. Um, Right. Right. And
2: the article stated that, you know, women should be upfront about it because, yeah, for a whole host of reasons. But I completely agree that um, women who – want to return to the workforce even after, you know, 10 or 15 years should just be upfront about what they've been up to and don't try and gloss over it. And, you know, I think society should value that contribution. And obviously you're not going to be getting paid like somebody who's been in the workforce for that 10 to 15 years, but you definitely have something to offer. To offer. Yeah. And that's yeah. okay.
1: Cause it's not all about money anyway.
2: Yeah, absolutely.
1: But I mean, no, I, I think you're totally right. And I think I think women should be proud of the time that they, yeah, met, they might have taken that. off in their career to be a mom. Because I agree. Own it, it. It's, it's the hardest job in the world. I mean, Sally's job is way harder than mine. Sally's a full time mom and uh I'm, you know, full time in the office and what Sally does on a day to day basis is so much more exhausting than anything I have to put. Like my worst days are normally less exhausting than Sally's best days. <laughs>
0: And I would think from a from a hiring perspective, that says something about the candidate if they've taken this time off to dedicate to their family and now they see it fit to return to the workplace.
1: Right. Yeah, absolutely.
0: Yeah. I think it just
2: depends on – it's so subjective as to what the person hiring, what their experience right. is. I mean, you have even <laughs> – there's people in the media today that still think that stay-at-home moms sit at home all day, eat bonbons, eat bonbons on the couch, yeah. or, you know, go to their play groups and drink their Starbucks lattes and just gossip or whatever. And that's, I mean, maybe that's true if you have a housekeeper and a nanny and a gardener. Right, right.
0: But yeah, for
2: most of us, you're working.
0: You're working hard. So looking back on your whole trajectory, did you did you find yourself kind of forced into this position of being a full time stay at home mom or or did you feel like that that's you've made that you've made a decision since then. Then that, that's a choice that you've made and, and you, you want that to be your role? I think I think it's a combination
2: of circumstances and sort of discernment. I mean, isn't, isn't that everything though? But, um,
1: yeah,
2: I really, I, I'm somebody who couldn't have made that decision ahead of time because I just did not know what parenting would take from me and, and what would, how I would feel about it. right. Um, right. and so, yeah, it's just, it, it was a lot of circumstances, especially being a military spouse where you're expected to move every two years, yeah. like licensing requirements for attorneys vary from state to state. So I really, you know, I was able to get a license here in Illinois and in the next state we're moving, I'm not able to get one without sitting for the bar. And so I'm facing the decision of whether I want to try and work from home again now that we have two. They're on very opposite schedules right now, and so that would be a big juggling act. Um or do I want to keep widening this employment gap that I've kind of started for myself cuz haven't worked since oh gosh, September of 2015. And so I'm facing this decision again. Um And that's just the thing. Like, I don't think that it's a permanent decision. Yeah. Like when I decide to stay at home, it's not forever. It's what, what is the best for my family at this time? This season. Yeah. Yeah. This season of two very small children and moving around. Um, so I don't know what it'll look like three years from now, five years from now, 10 years from now. And so I'm sort of, I'm keeping an open mind about it. And that's why I, I think it's great to empower women to take these 10 year gaps and try and get back in the workforce. If that's really what you want to do. And yeah, yeah. So I'd love to have still have that as an option and yeah. a viable option
1: yeah well speaking of empowering women to be able to make that choice if they want to do it do you think that if it weren't for uh, say student loans and the crushing financial debt that they create uh, do you think that more women would choose to stay home at least part- time or or maybe it's not maybe loans are thinking about it the wrong way maybe maybe loans are part of the problem but maybe it's really that companies aren't supportive of women taking, uh employment breaks like this to be a mom full time. Yeah,
2: I mean, the, if the student loan was was a burden for women, like it would totally be my burden keeping me in work cuz I do have law school loans. Um but we we are making it work on one income. Um which is very difficult. I, you know, I'm really work reworking our budget now again. And, um, so there's a lot of sacrifices to be made for that, but it's doable sometimes. Um, but all in all, I think that attitudes about women who want to stay home should change. And like I said, women should be empowered to reenter the workforce after they've stayed at home with their kids for a long period of time. I mean, it should be accepted and encouraged for women to stay home with their kids like i believe that that is natural for women it's um yeah it's natural and it's um losing my train of thought but it's um goes back to like you're your child's parent you're their only mother And there are however many employees out there, but you're your child's one and only mother, you know?
1: Yeah, I mean, that rings true totally with just our short experiences as parents. I mean, um, even now, uh, Esther, who's not quite two, has a strong preference for mommy over daddy. And I I, I understand that just because that's what it is. And Sally is around more than I am because Sally's with Esther all the time. But I mean, it's amazing that, In a whole room full of people, if Esther, you know, trips and bumps her head or something, the only person who she wants to be comforted by is mommy, you know. And Mm so other people can pick her up, including myself. But no, she wants mommy because there's only one mommy in the world that can comfort her.
2: Yeah. And that's funny because (laughs) my son usually wants daddy. (laughs) I'm still waiting for
1: Esther to move into that
2: phase. (laughs) (laughs) Because I don't, I mean it's still his dad, you know and maybe it's like a boys gender thing like dad's the fun parent but I don't know if daddy's around yeah I'm the fun parent in,
1: in this family too so <laughs>
2: even though I'm the one with them all day I'm the one wiping the butt most of the time yep, but yeah. <laughs> maybe it will be different with your daughter
1: well I think that that's a whole separate <laughs> but related conversation too about the role of dads in the family and I think that society should encourage more dads to be more involved in their home and not spend 15, 16-hour days at the office, you know, working on perfecting the the brief that they're working on or whatever their job is, you know, encourage mm-hmm. them to, to not kill themselves at work and instead spend time at home. I mean, I work with a guy who um, is sort of in the, he's he's sort of ending his career now and uh, he gave us a reflection the other day, us meeting the people in my office, basically saying, spend time with your family. Because here at the end of his career, he's looking back, realizing he has not spent enough time with his family over the past 30 years that he's you know been with this company. And he's realizing that that was a really big mistake because now he, he missed out on countless uh, thousands of hours of time he could have spent with his family that instead he was holed up in the office doing things that really have no eternal value.
0: Well, all right. this brings to mind um, Anne Marie Slaughter's piece from several years ago now. Um, I think it was 2013. Whether talking about whether women can have it all, and she concludes that women can't have it all now at this point in time. But down the road, hopefully, with changes to the cost of education or changes to workplace procedures and hiring practices and all of that, we will we will be a society where women can have it all. And and I think. It would be interesting to talk about what it means to have it all and whether women can have it all, whether we agree with Anne-Marie Slaughter, but then also can men have it all? Because it seems like, I mean, you're kind of saying we would think if it me- having it all is having a career and having a family, if that's just having those two right. things at the same time, right. then it seems like men already have it all. But I'm not sure that's what it means. Right. I think having it all
2: contains like a certain level of professional accomplishment, right? So it's not just having a career, it's succeeding at that career. Um, but also having a very healthy family dynamic and happy children and getting that time with them as well. And so again, I don't, I don't think women can have it all at once, but I think that there shouldn't be any barriers to women having the family and then going back to work and having a successful career because you know, your fertility only lasts so long and then you should be able to go back and, um, have a successful professional career if you so choose. I mean, a lot of women don't want to, I don't know if I'll want that for myself when I'm done having kids. Um, but I think that, I think that that should be an option for women, a a supported and encouraged option for women. Um, I kind of think that that's like a (laughs) win-win.
0: Yeah. No, I mean, I like the way you're kind of describing that because it sounds like you're saying to have it all – how we evaluate that is not just by looking at one slice in time of our lives and saying, did we have it all at this point in time? But over the course of a lifetime, were we able right. to have those fulfilling out of the house pursuits and raise that flourishing functional family? Yeah. Right. And maybe, I
2: mean, maybe my opinion about this, I mean, definitely my opinion about this is colored by my grandmother who. She's gonna be children a guest in our podcast, and then <laughs> I hope so. Me too. Um, she had her kids, and then she went back to work. And you know, talking to her about it later in her life, I know that that wasn't without struggle. There was definitely a strain on her marriage, and she, you know, wonders, what if I didn't, you know, pursue this career? Whether her kids would have turned out differently or, you know, the, the struggles that her kids had, whether or not they would have had them, you know? Um, but that's the path that she took. And, um, I wish, I wish we had more examples of that and, um, employers would have the example of that to look to, to know that, you know, women bring something really valuable here oh, to the yeah, workplace absolutely. after raising kids Yeah. or while, you know, or while raising kids.
1: Yeah. I mean, I, I wish that, uh, I wish the company could companies could see this, uh, by this, I mean the example of a woman who does leave the workforce for a set amount of time to be a mom and then come back to the workforce. I wish that the, that the companies could see that experience as adding a valuable, uh, and diverse, Uh, experience to the table Mm -hmm. in the in the boardroom or wherever it is um and on the Anne marie slaughter point that sally you were talking about i if i were to write an antidote to the Anne marie slaughter piece i think it's a it's an admirable piece in a lot of respects i would first acknowledge that she's right that women are often facing uh much higher barriers to uh professional fulfillment and success than men are and so I think Amory Slaughter is absolutely right to point that out. But I, I think the broader answer to her question of whether or not women can have it all is better phrased: Can anyone have it all? And to mm-hmm. that, I would say no, because uh, I mean her, her point is that women need to be more included in uh, in the professional uh, side of things. I absolutely agree with that point. But I, to a degree, think that men should be less included, and it's in and by that I mean that men should be less encouraged to spend every waking moment on professional development and self ascendancy and instead should be encouraged to focus on the family, which is which I think very, very strongly is the bedrock of society. And looking at my own very brief life thus far, uh, my time at home, by at home I mean just with my family, not necessarily at home, but my time with my family is so much more valuable to me than anything I do at work and I really feel like I am like creating a future with my family and I don't get that feeling when I'm at work.
0: Well, Teresa, you made this point off the air that millennials are realizing this more and more, just like with the Silicon Valley kind of working model of trying to work less in the office and have more flexible hours and flexible work days. And it seems like companies need to realize that these are values that millennials and, you know, just I guess I'm not sure exactly the timeline of what that generation is, but our generation, the generation coming up beneath us, these are values that we hold, and and they kind of need to get on board with that. <laughs> right. I mean, this is why the baby boomers think millennials are lazy, yeah. lazy, selfish,
2: entitled. I mean, some, some of us are, sure, but um, yeah, a lot of men and women in our generation are really – opting for the untraditional work environments in favor of more family time. So yeah, you have Silicon Valley and four day work weeks and telecommuting and long paternity leaves, um, maternity and paternity leaves being offered by these companies. Um, yeah. So,
1: you know, it's interesting though, is, um, you mentioned the baby boomers thinking millennials are lazy. Uh, there's certainly this sort of pendulum swing effect there. And I wonder, Teresa, in the very beginning of this podcast, you mentioned that you wished you had the luxury of a mom who could stay home, but both your parents worked. right? And and it makes me think maybe millennials are realizing the value of this because because their parents did not realize the value of this. Because we're looking at our parents' experiences and thinking, wow, I really wish that we had parents who were more invested in our lives when we were growing up.
0: Absolutely. So last question before we wrap things up, if you could go back and do it all over again, starting from, you know, your decision to go to law school, wherever you want to trace that, would you change anything?
2: Um, No, I've said before that, you know, I love my education, but I, I wish I didn't take on that student loan debt for my degree. But like I told you, before, the only reason my husband ever went to law school is because I was in law school. And so, you know, of course, we've made our lifelong friends in law school, and, you know, both of us had these really big spiritual conversions during law school. It was really a formative time for both of us. So I have to say, no, I wouldn't go back and change anything. I mean, we've had to make really big financial sacrifices for me to stay at home, but you know, we're embracing it and in, in the military, they call it embracing the suck. <laughs> <laughs> it's not that bad, but yeah, we've, we've embraced our spirit of detachment over
0: money. So, and what a great role model and example for your kids.
2: Yeah, I agree. And I, I mean, I hope that they look look back when they're older and see that I see it in my parents. So, I look back and see how hard they worked, you know, um, cause neither of my parents went to college. So that's why both of them were working, but, um, they worked really hard. So I see the benefit in two working parents. I, you can't make a judgment on anybody for what they decide for their family, but, um, this is what's working for us. And, you know, it's it's working and our marriage is healthy and you know our home life is great and we're balancing it so
1: well i think the number one reason why you shouldn't regret it is because now you have an opportunity to go back into the workforce after you have 11 kids and eventually become a circuit court judge
2: <laughs> nine to go so <laughs> two down nine to go i don't know the if honorable I have it in me.
1: the honorable judge breslin deciding <laughs>
2: You know, my dad would just probably drop dead of pride because, you know, he's always, you know, his mom is Judge Nolan and his daughter followed in her footsteps. be pretty cool. I would, I would not, I would not be unhappy in that scenario either. I've always said I wanted to be a judge.
1: It'd be a great job. And then you could, you could, in your retirement job, you could be like Judge Judy's replacement.
2: Oh, yes. <laughs> Oh, I'll watch you on TV, TV Teresa.
0: So go. Oh, <laughs> Perfect. yeah. Perfect.
2: I would
1: love that. That's what you need to do.
0: Well, we'll check back in and see how the next season of life, where that takes you. <laughs> yeah, we have big changes coming
2: up. That's right. So who knows what's, what's coming down the pike.
1: Well, Teresa, thanks so much for joining us to talk about your life as a lawyer and moving into full-time momhood and maybe going back to being a lawyer someday. We wish you best of luck in the future. And once again, thanks so much for coming on. Yeah. Thanks for sharing this. your
2: story. Thank you.
1: Right, right, we're wrapping up episode 10 of season three. Thank you so much for listening. This is actually also the final episode of season three. So we're looking forward to season four, which is right around the corner.
0: Yeah, we have some great ideas to share with you, some great guests lined up. Um, we'll be back in the second half of June. So just listen to our back episodes while you're waiting for us to come back on the air.
1: You can also listen to our interview on The Boundless Show, which is a podcast that you can find through iTunes. Uh, we did this interview in April. It, it aired in May, I think. You can find that. Uh, I think our interview's in episode 432?
0: 432. 432, yeah. May 12th was the day that it aired, and we're right at the beginning. Um, We talk about marriage and family and what happens when it kind of interrupts your own personal plans that you have for yourself, and it's actually a great, great follow-on to our conversation with Teresa in this episode. So if you want to hear us drone on more about that then check out episode 432 we're right at the beginning so just start it and we're the first guests that they bring on the show
1: and speaking of marriage and family we also have a pretty exciting announcement that i will let sally give
0: (laughs) we have a new member of our family that we are expecting in early december that's right so, yep, we're pregnant, and... We could
1: not be more excited to share so this We're so excited,
0: yeah. We are just about, probably, when this airs, we'll be a couple of days away from the second trimester, so we are ready to announce the news to all of you.
1: And we're trying to figure out baby names, so yes. <laughs> we've had this conversation with Jordan and Catherine, naming anything is a big deal, naming a human being is the biggest deal. So if you have some good ideas for us... Yeah. Uh, Zachary Chewbacca is, unfortunately, already claimed by the shorts, so... They're going to name their baby that, uh, so we can't name ours. So we need we need more ideas, guys, so uh, let us know if you have more. Uh, one more thing I'll leave you with. Please watch the NBA Finals. They're really exciting. The Golden State Warriors are really fun to watch play, and because the Finals are pitting the Golden State Warriors against the Cleveland Cavaliers led by LeBron James, it's really an exciting uh, matchup for a couple of reasons. One, there's a big debate over who's the best player in the NBA. Is it the two-time reigning MVP Steph Curry, the first unanimous MVP in league history, or is it a four-time MVP, LeBron James? Uh, and this is a rematch. Cavaliers versus Golden State Warriors also played last year. Golden State Warriors mopped the floor with the Cavs, and the Cavs are now playing hungry. So it's been a lot of fun to watch. The Golden State Warriors also came back in the Western Conference Finals against uh, the Oklahoma City Thunder from a 3-1 deficit. They were down three games to one, stormed back, won all three games, and made it to the conference or to the championship finals.
0: Wow. So impressive.
1: Yeah. So it's been really a good series. Uh watching the Golden State Warriors this year. Uh, you know, I'm not from California. I don't root for any California teams except for the Warriors. But this season, watching them play, has actually made me a fan of the NBA and more specifically a fan of the Warriors. So I encourage you to do the same because might open your eyes a little bit. I didn't have the same appreciation for basketball that I do now, and I'm having a lot of fun with it. So watch the finals.
0: All right. That's it. This is the end of episode 10 of season three. And like I said, we'll be back in June. So don't be too sad. We'll be back. And
1: if you want to talk to us in the meantime, just reach out on Facebook, facebook. facebook.com slash vernacular podcast.
0: Tell us what you thought about this episode. Maybe you've been to London and you have some tips for us the next time we go. Or you want to weigh in on our conversation with Teresa and tell us about your own experience, if you're a mom, or just balancing career and family, what that looks like for you. If you can do that in 140
1: characters or less, you can reach out on Twitter (laughs) at VernacularPod. If you want to send us an email, do that, Zach and Sally at VernacularPodcast.com, or just head to our website and you can uh, submit some feedback from there.
0: Yeah, VernacularPodcast.com.
1: In the meantime, uh, continue to find us on iTunes. If you're on Android, we're on Google Play now. Pretty cool announcement there. So uh, check us out. Out on Google Play. When you really start to miss us, engaged.
0: you can give us a rating and a review on iTunes. Oh,
1: we always love those. Or on Google Play now. Now that we're on Google oh, Play, we right. need to start building up some Google Play reviews so we can get recommendations there. So give us honest feedback. Uh, if you're going to tank our our ratings, that's fair. Just give us some good, constructive feedback as to why you're giving us one star.
0: Yeah, help us know how to improve. <laughs>
1: Alright, for Fannacular Podcast, I'm Zach. And I'm Sally. Have a great intermission between seasons three and four. better than ever. When I'm by your